0: The following sermon was preached at Veritas Church in Magnolia, Texas. For more information about Veritas Church, please visit veritasdisciple.org. Amen. The Lord is good and faithful. Did you guys survive the floods? You're all here, so I guess you did. So, what was that song we were singing? We Surviving the, the Flood? What was that? Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that as, we were, as I was playing that we all survived the flood. So, praise God. Anyway, I'll move on. <clears throat> Sorry. The Lord is good, and I'm once again, I'm encouraged and blown away And um, by preparing for this message. The Lord gave me another week to really examine my own heart and really dig deeper, and, and I'm just continually blown away by what God does through His Word. Um, la- last time, Jamie was able to share of what, basically, uh, Nehemiah was rebuking the nobles, not the family that we know, but the um, uh, the nobles, the wealthy uh, party, and the of the Jewish these Jewish guys. So he was rebuking them. They were like contributing to the, the hardship. A lot of these uh, a lot of these guys who were working on the wall had to basically leave their field, their ability to produce their income in order to work on the wall. So it was hard for them. I'm gonna move this here. And so, and then these guys were causing more pain for them. So he rebuked them, and the Lord moved on their heart. So we're continuing today right after that in verse, chapter 5, verse 14. We're seeing kind of a contrast. We saw he, how he had to rebuke these nobles, but now we're going to see what he personally contributed to the effort, to the work effort, all right? Nehemiah 5, verse 14. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. It's interesting here. um, We see here that he was there for 12 years. So what we're seeing here is that he's kind of giving a historical record. He's plugging it in. Um, of what he contributed over this time period. So we're looking at 12-year span. So we also see kind of how long he was a governor there in that land, right? So, but it's interesting. It says, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. Now they were, you know, it was under Persian policy that anyone sent by the, the, the leadership of the government of Persia, they had a right to receive taxes, to receive funding from the people. So, but he says, neither I nor my brother ate the food allowance for the governor. That's great. Yeah. He forfeited his right in order to help his poverty-stricken people. In verse 15, it says, The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them their daily ration, 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of the Lord. In verse sixteen, I also persevered in the work of this wall. He did his part. Even the leaders and the acquire, acquired. So even the leaders and we acquired no land, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Now, if you think about it, this was basically. Maybe it was, is it Jay? Is it right? Is that a, like a buyer's market? You know, um, he could have. I mean, these guys, these leaders could have bought a lot of land. These guys were in great need. Um, They needed more. They needed help. They needed finances. So they could, these governors, these leaders, they could have bought this land at a very, very cheap price. But it says that they they did not. Even leaders and we acquired no land. So amazing what these guys are doing here. In 17, moreover, there were at my table 150 men. Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around. So, as a, as a leader, governor of the area, he, he probably hosted a lot of people coming in from different nations. And verse 18, it says, Now, what was prepared at my expense, get that. Now, what was prepared at my expense for each day was one ox, six choice sheep and birds, and every ten days, all kinds of wine in abundance. There you go. Yet, for all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor because the service was too heavy on this people. So here he's, he's mentioning it twice that he did not uh, take the allowance that, for the governor. So we kind of see that the type of man Nehemiah was. Really godly man. Now, sometimes we think, yeah, these guys in the, in the Bible, they're amazing. You know how God raises up these types of people the good character that they have, the quality of men that they are, excellent leaders. Man, it's like they they reached this level. How can we ever attain something like that? You know, I mean, who are we? You know. So we see the type of quality of men and women in the Bible. But what's amazing, what enabled him to do all these things? What enabled him to do all these things? We can see that in verse 15. Excuse me. I'll read for verse 15 again. The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them from their daily ration 40 shekels of silver, but I did not do so because of, do you know, the fear of the Lord. Because of the fear of the Lord. Jamie talked about last, last time in, in chapter 5 verse 9, it says when he was rebuking the nobles, Nehemiah says, the thing that you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God? So he's already rebuking them. And now he's saying, the reason why I'm doing this is because of the fear of the Lord. This is the key. This is the crucial thing I want to hit heavy on. This is so powerful. Um, In our world today, we hear a lot, a lot about God is love. You've heard that before, you know. You, you, you hear that in the world. You hear that even, even in many churches. God is the God of love. But you don't hear oftentimes that, you know, we should fear God. That's kind of, maybe, maybe, maybe it does come with some baggage. I don't know. But, but I remember when I was in Bible school, one, one of my friends, I won't mention his name. He's, uh, me, uh, let me back up. An, uh, another friend and I were talking about the fear of the Lord. And this guy overheard our conversation. We were at Bible school one in our dorm room. He says, fear the Lord? You shouldn't fear the Lord. That's wrong. God is love. And we, I just saw, at that time, I didn't really know how to expound, help this guy out. But, but I, was, I just watched him, his life. And uh, when we entered into Facebook, you know, you could see uh, the things many, many years later that he would post and as it gradually got worse and worse, I could really see he did not fear the Lord. You know, the things he posted on Facebook. I, I wanted, you know, I feel sorry for my brother. Yeah. You could just obviously see his life followed his own understanding. He went away from the Lord. He did not fear the Lord. So what does that mean? First of all, we, we know in Scripture, with the wicked... It says, there is no fear of God for their eyes. In, in Romans chapter 3, 18, there is no fear in their eyes of the wicked. They do not fear God. What does this fear, what do we, where do we see this in the scripture? I'll read a few verses here. Proverbs 14, verse 2, whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who, he who is devious in his ways despises him. So you could say that he that does not walk in uprightness is the one that fears does not fear the Lord. So you see the one who walks in uprightness is one, uprightness is one that fears the Lord. Proverbs 14, verse 16. The wise fear the Lord, and they shun evil. But a fool is hot-headed, and yet feels secure. Interesting. He thinks... Everything is a okay No problems here. He has no fear of the Lord. He does not know that he's in a lot of trouble. Matthew 10, verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him, which is God, who can destroy both body and the soul in hell. Thank you, Jimmy, for that clarity that's powerful. Don't fear man. Don't worry about man. Fear God. We have a clear instruction here who we are to fear. Ecclesiastes eight twelve and 13, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear before God. It'll go well with you if you fear God. It will not go well with you if you don't. Yeah. Very clear. So f- what does this mean to fear God? I wanna, there's kind of two aspects when you look at Scripture of what it means to fear God. <clears throat> to fear God, first of all, we could see this in Psalms 33, verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Yeah. So one aspect of the fear of the Lord is to stand in awe of God, His majesty. It's like to, to, um, to stand in awe of His power. If you study His attributes, you see in awe of His wisdom, His justice, His mercy. We see the mercy of Christ in His death and resurrection. It's basically to stand in awe of just who God is, how powerful and how great He is, how mighty He is. I've heard a story of these two men, really great friends. They're walking. uh, They're wanting to go see the Grand Canyon. They're walking through these woods, and they're just chatting, cutting up, having fun, joking, and all of a sudden, they kind of went to a little clearing, and just right there was the edge of the Grand Canyon, and they were just cutting up, joking, and all of a sudden, (gasps) they just stopped talking, and they were just they had a, a, like I guess you could say, a reverent fear of what was in front of them. This great, majestic canyon. It stopped what they were doing. They, they were standing in awe of this canyon. Kind of like when you go to the beach, you know, you kind of just look out there. I, I remember we were in Cambodia. Uh, some, of, some of the uh, students we were with, they never even saw a beach before. Went to the ocean, saw the ocean, how vast it was. So they were just there, just amazed. I was with them when we when they saw the beach for the first time. They're just amazed. It's like they, they said, "It looks like it just keeps going up." You know, <laughs> the water keeps going. And uh, but you, you like I, I think it was John Piper. He says you don't go to the uh, the beach to to make much of yourself. You go because you like to see things that are big. You you go to a a football game because you like to see people stronger than you. You know, you go you like to see. Um, um, you like to go to talent shows or watch it because you like how hear how they sing. Because um, usually you're kind of depressed when you hear yourself sing. I don't know. But I know I am. But uh, we like things that are great and grand more than us. You get depressed when you look at a mirror all day long. When you just focus on self, you can... You know, that, that, the truth is, those who are, suffer great depression, you know why? Because they're always focused on self. They're consumed with self. That's why I was, we were in, uh, I forget where we were, maybe Japan. um, One of the, um, they had this one uh, ministry where they focused with a lot of these depressed people. And um, one of the things they tried to teach them was just who God is. Which uh, They tried to teach them about God. Tried to take their eyes off of themselves. That's the truth, is we have to take our eyes off of ourselves. We have to focus on the glory and majesty of God. We have to understand that truly this world will not satisfy us. Our own strength, our own wisdom will not satisfy. We have to focus, fix our eyes on him. He is the one we are to glory. Um, If you look at, you know, sometimes we are, we like to look at different people Different things, see people's strengths and weaknesses, see people's strengths and the, the beauty or the wisdom of the, the, these different people, individuals. But one thing I've heard um, uh, we need to fix our eyes on Christ, who is altogether lovely. Because we can see if someone, he's got great strength, but he's not very kind. He's not altogether lovely. This person is very beautiful, but. You know, they're not really smart. But we can see all the different things in creation we might be attracted to, but eventually it will disappoint us because it's not altogether lovely. Christ is altogether lovely. He is altogether fulfilling. We can find everything in him, in, on the majesty and the glory of God. He is altogether lovely and beautiful. Amen? We have to focus on Him. By the way of contrast, the wicked person does not fear God. He does not stand in awe of Him. Psalms 36, 1 and 2 says, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There's no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out. He thinks, I won't get caught. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased not to act wisely, ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. So we see the way of the wicked. The wicked person is such, he has a low view of God. Basically, you know that, I forget who it was, that person says God is like one of us. God is one of, I don't know, I'm not going to sing it for you, but you don't want me to sing. But we like to put God on our own level or make a fashion of God in our own image. You know, and that as a God we're okay with. We do not fear a God like this. That's what the wicked do. Their God will not punish their sin. In fact, their God encourages it. God is sometimes like an old man or a grandpa or Santa. He's there just to give us gifts, give us what we need. This God, this type of God, they will not fear. I've heard, uh, I forget what it says, but a proper fear of God is like, let me back up. Have you ever, everyone ever been into a hurricane? Have you ever been involved in, saw the effects of a hurricane? I'm sure we all have. What's the safest place to be in a hurricane, you know? Center, in the eye of the storm. That's the safest place to be in the eye of the storm. Have anyone been in an eye of a storm? I don't know. I haven't. But with God, the safest place to be with God is with him in the center He's mighty and ferocious and powerful and awesome in His ways. You want to be in the center with Him. Amen? Amen. Proper fear of the Lord. His displeasure of sin. This is the negative side of the fear. To fear God's displeasure. To fear God's right to punish sin. His right to chasten us, to discipline us. Like a father... You know, we don't want to displease our father. So I would rather not do this, because if I do this, my father will spank me, you know. So that's a proper healthy fear as well of fearing the father's displeasure. Now, praise God, we are in Christ. We are adopted into his family. Praise God, he disciplines us. This is a great thing that we want. We want him to discipline us, to chase, chasten us, because if he, if he did not, then we, and he, according to Hebrews, you're not a child of God. I heard it say that with Jacob and Esau, God just let Esau run wild. He let him go. He, he married whoever he wanted to, even as his wives upset his, his parents. He did what he wanted to do. His whole life he just ran wild. But Jacob, God beat him to death. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> he loved Jacob. Jacob, I love, Esau, I hated. His whole life was one discipline after and the next, right? Because God was getting him ready. So we see that the fathers to fear God, to fear his displeasure. I'm so sorry, I got a cold if my drainage annoys you. I'm sorry. But so A.W. Tozer said. When men no longer fear God, they transgress, transgress his laws without hesitation. The fear of consequences is no deterrent when the fear of God is gone. So these are healthy fears. Amen. Now, what is the fruit of fear? The fruit of fear. We can see, um, we can see this in the life of Nehemiah. <coughs> Sorry, guys. What encouraged him, what enabled him to do all these great things, to not seek the, the uh, taxes from the people, to, to really seek their favor? It, like I said, it was the fear of the Lord. These were the things. He wanted to advance the kingdom of God. He wanted to do things for the glory of God. This was what he wanted most of all, amen? This is what he wanted most of all. Now, if you look at the, his life record, I'm just going to give you a quick review of what we looked at already, of his life. And you can see the evidence that he feared the Lord. Amen? First of all, in his prayer, Nehemiah 1.5, after he heard about the the wall, he had a burden. God gave him the burden. He gave him the burden to pray. And look what he prayed in chapter 1, verse 5. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfastness, Love with those who love him and keep his covenant. He said, God, you are great and awesome. So we already see evidence of the fear of the Lord in his own heart. We saw that. His prayer proves it. And then, next, whenever he stood before the king, it says, you know, he did fear. He says, the king said, Why is your heart sad? Then it says, Then I was much afraid. He was a little afraid of the king but he had more fear of God. He had a holy, healthy fear of God, the majesty of God. So he was able to stand up before the king to speak for the people in front of this king. Yeah. This was an earthly king, but he was serving the high king of heaven. Amen? Yeah. That's why he was able to stand before the king and not cower down. Yeah. Now when opposition, he faced opposition, he was able to stand. When they were jeering him, when Sanballat Ballot. In verse chapter 2, in chapter two, when they were jeering him, jeering people, he was able to stand up to them. He said, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in the Jerusalem. He was able to stand up because he, he did not fear them. He feared God. D.L. Moody says, to fear is to have more faith. To, to fear, to fear man is to have more faith in your antagonist than in Christ. The reason why we cower down is because we, we fear man more than God. You know? But Nehemiah, it was evident that he feared God more than man. He was able to stand. He had courage. He was able to have courage. If you're dependent upon man's approval, you will be crushed when you receive rejection of any kind. If you're living for that, man's approval, you will be crushed when you face rejection. But if you live, if your identity is in God, in Christ, you will be able to stand. It's like, who cares what man thinks? I'm with God. Colossians 3, 2 and 3, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If your identity is in Christ, who cares what man thinks? You can stand. You can stand the trial. You can stand rejection when you're, when you're serving God. You're a fool. Why would you do that? You're skipping this investment to help this, this, this guy going to the mission field. That's crazy, you know. You can stand when there's people are jeering you. Yeah. We see um, he was willing to stand and fight for God's people. In chapter 4, In verse 14, it says, And I looked and I rose and said to the nobles, to the officials, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and daughters, your wives and homes. He was able to stand and encourage his people. He pointed them to God. Oswald Chambers says, The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas, If you do not fear God, you fear everything else. John Flavel said, The carnal person fears man, not God. The strong Christian fears God, not man. The weak Christian fears man too much and God too little. Where do you fit in the category? Matt, where do you fit in? Like I said, I'm preaching to myself. Lord is good. Now, moving on, he says, in verse 14, we see how, we see what he did in chapter 5 verse 14. He didn't, like I said, he didn't allow, he didn't eat what was due to him. He gave it to the people. He supplied everything for the people. He worked for them. He did not live excessively. That's powerful right there. He used the wealth that God had given him for the kingdom, not to keep it to himself, but to lighten the load of others. He invested in the kingdom. People whose identity is in wealth will do whatever it takes to get it, even at the cost of others. But if your identity is in Christ, then you can live radically for him. You can let the uh, shady deals, you can let whatever happens, you want to invest in the kingdom. You want to invest. The way... We spend our money can let us know is our joy in our wealth or is our joy in Christ the way we spend our money so let's examine our own selves we can see how Nehemiah what he did he feared God God is so good we don't have to find joy in other things to sustain us in verse 16 it says and I also persevered in the work of, on, the, on the wall He did his part. He lived his life on mission. He wanted to advance the kingdom. Tim Keller says, when you see see God for who he is, it destroys your consumer mentality. What's in it for me? This type of mentality. It turns you into a man or woman into mission. When you see God for who he is, it turns you into a, a man or woman on mission. uh, Tim Keller gave some examples. Abraham, he left everything, his home in Ur, to go to this place he didn't even know about. He was willing to go. Moses, he left the wealth of Egypt to go. He was a shepherd for 40 years, stripped of all wealth to save his people. The Lord used him. Peter, in Luke 5, when Peter saw the miracle, Jesus caught this great big catch of fish. What did Peter do? Did he like, yay, this is going to help our business. He said, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Peter saw the glory majesty of Christ. That holiness came up. He said, I am unholy. I'm, I'm wicked. What did Jesus do to him? Get out of the boat. You know, I can't use you anymore. No, he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. When he saw the glory and majesty of Christ, Jesus sent him out on mission. No. Isaiah, when he saw the, the majesty <coughs> and the glory of God, well, um, we see um, it says. God says they were speaking. Who will go for us? And what did Neh- uh, what did Isaiah said? Here am I. Send me. He got excited. A man on mission there. So when you seek God for who he is, he will, you will be a man on mission. You will be a man on mission, a woman on mission. You will be willing to go low to serve others, to live for others. When God is high, we can finally go low because I know, we know our, our identity is not in what in people or places or things. Our identity is in God. In Him. We can serve other people even when no one knows what we're doing, when no one is looking, because we know we're doing it for the glory of God. Now, if you look at all the people in the, in the scripture, we see a common denominator with all these patriarchs, all these people we look up to. If you look at all, this, all the verses, it clearly you can clearly find a passage that will say they feared God. Abraham feared God. Joseph feared God. Moses feared God. Jacob was afraid. David was afraid of the Lord. Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Hananiah feared God. Job feared God. Daniel stood trembling. Jonah feared the Lord. Peter, James, and John were so afraid. The centurion feared greatly. The disciples feared exceedingly. There's a common denominator with all these people. We put them up on a pedestal. But what's great about them is that they fear the Lord. That's what's so unique about these guys. They fear the Lord. But you say, oh Matt, they saw visions of God. God showed up. There was a burning bush. You know, they heard voices. I don't see God. I don't hear anything like that. You know, it'll work for them. It's just, you know, I just don't get it. I don't dig it, you know. I'm going to sh- I'm going to take that excuse away from you right now. 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 16 to 19. Christ's glory in the prophetic word for we did not I'm sorry, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses, they saw His majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. Now you get that? They saw glory majesty. They heard glory and majesty. Okay? But what's so crucial is in verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. You get that? He said, yes, we, ha- we saw these visions. We, saw the- we heard these miraculous things, but we have something even greater. The prof- prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention to. Which means... He's saying the word of God is infinitely more better than the experience. from what we saw and heard just with our eyes, he's saying, because he kind of stripped away their excuse. He This strips away our excuse too. God has given us his word. He's given us the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to wonderful things in the word. Amen? That is so powerful. How do we get this fear? How do we grow in this fear? Of God. Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire. To meditate in his temple. Basically he's saying. God I want to be in your presence. I want to gaze upon your beauty. I want to look at you study you, get to know you, and I want to meditate on what I've just studied, what I just saw. I want to be with you. I want to study. I want to meditate on what I just studied, basically. You get that? But what's so cool, amazing about this, he says, one thing I have asked of the Lord, he's praying, and that will I seek after. He's not just praying. He's also putting his feet to work. I'm going to seek after you as well, God. I'm going to pray to you, and I'm going to seek after you. I want to know you, God. In the Word is where great things can happen. We we don't have to experience these these, uh, angels fluttering around. We don't have to see visions. God has given us something even greater, His Word. Amen? We, first of all, as David prayed, we have to pray for growth, pray that God will give us that fear in him, that holy, reverent, majestic fear. In Psalms 86, verse 11, David prayed. I want you to write this down. <coughs> Psalms 86, because I want you to do this. I'm giving you a homework that will last you your lifetime, okay? So write this down. Psalms 86:11, David's prayer, he said, he prayed, God, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Amen. He said, God, help me to fear your name. Help me to fear you. In Ephesians 3, 14 and 19, I'll give you just a short synopsis of this. Paul prayed and that the Ephesian church, they might be able to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. In fact, it says, may they be, have the energy to see how high and wide and deep is the love of Christ. That's amazing. The, this is what you need to pray for. The fact that we're even commanded to pray for this, what does that tell us? That this comes from God. We cannot just pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps I'm going to fear the Lord today. Yeah. Um, We have to pray, God, help me to fear you. As David prayed, Psalms 24, 27, I mean. Now we also have to study him. The first thing that you have to do is pray. The second thing is to study him. Study God's holiness. I want you to read, not right now, but this is your homework. Isaiah chapter 6. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 15 verses 3 and 4. You will learn something of the holiness of God. I want you to pray, but I also want you to seek after him. Study him. Study his holiness. Study his greatness. I want you to read Isaiah chapter 40. Study his greatness. You will see how great he is. How awesome and powerful he is. And also study His omniscience and omnipresence. I want you to read Psalms 139. Study this. And the majesty of Christ, Revelation chapter 1, 10 to 17, and Revelation 5. Study Christ, how glorious He is, the Lamb that was slain. Amen? Study Him. Proverbs 1, 26 to 31. It says, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when, you, when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. If you're not, if you find yourself in a situation where you don't fear God, you're living for your own self, living for your own pleasures and joys, I fear for you. I fear for you. Turn to him. Repent. Isaiah 29 and 13 says, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips, do honor with me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. They might dabble with some of the teaching of the fear of God, but there's no fear in their heart. You can tell because their lips say one thing, but their heart is totally different. Where is your heart today? Praise God. We know what God commands us to do, but we also we can rejoice in the fact that he enables us to do what he has commanded us to do. Isn't that grace? Isn't that awesome? He tells us to fear him, but he also is able, enables, us to, enables us to fear him, to help us to live for him. In that, we can rejoice. That, my friend, is grace, the love of God. And That's what I, what I want to encourage you to do as a church, to grow in your fear of the Lord, these past few weeks, I've been, Lord, help me to grow more in the fear of You and the majesty of You. Amen. Lord, I just thank You, God. Lord, You, You tell us to do what You want us to do, but You give us the ability to do that. Lord, I just say thank You. You're such a good God, a loving God, a gracious God. Lord, thank You so much that You love us, that we are Your children. And you give us the ability to love you more. You give us the ability to to fear you, God. You show us how to do it. We're to pray for it. And we're also to seek after it. Lord, we make that our prayer. Lord, this is my prayer. This is what I seek after, Lord God. That I may dwell in your your temple, in your presence, God. May gaze upon your beauty. Lord, that's what we want. We want to meditate on you, God. And stay there, God. Help us, Jesus. Help me grow more in you. Grow more in love with you. And oh, God, because you're you're such an awesome, powerful God, a mighty God. In this way, we don't have to fear man. We don't have to fear the things that are happening around us, this chaos of our nation, because you're such an awesome God, a powerful God. And we love you. And just say thank you for all that you're doing for us. May we grow and this knowledge, thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. Now we can come and enjoy this fellowship, this meal we have with our with our Father, Heavenly Father. For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave thanks broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we just thank you that we can come before you. Lord, thank you that we can just have fellowship with you. Lord, may, may we never grow old, tired, or just bored with this. But may we every time be afresh, renewed in our mind that we have fellowship, a fellowship meal with our high king. When we look at the bread, we just be reminded of the awesome work that you did for us on the cross. The awesome work, Lord God, that you, your body was broken for us. Lord God, in your body you live that perfect righteous life that we could never attain on ourselves. We were made perfect because of you, your work, and through your blood, Lord God. You cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, we just say thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. We just give you glory and praise and honor. Amen. I want to invite you to come. If you are truly a child of the King, I want to welcome you. But if you're not a Christian, I want to I want you to restrain, okay? I want you to come have fellowship with your family. Thank you for listening to audio from Veritas Church located in Magnolia, Texas. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Veritas Church, please visit veritasdisciple.org.